0: It's happy times and places a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I Toby Haydock have been set the task of watching a Doctor Who story and trying to see if I can guess my friend's favorite things about each episode.
1: Hi there Toby and hi everyone. My name is Jess Jurkovic. I'm a jazz pianist, arranger composer in New York City and most recently in the last four years, I've been doing a YouTube project called the Dudley Simpson is Doctor Who project where I transcribe my favorite bits of Dudley Simpson music and create a solo piano arrangement of those pieces. I'm choosing Fury from the Deep.
0: Well, welcome back, everybody, to episode four of Fury from the Deep, which I'm sure I used to put on a lot of my... uh, which missing episodes would you like returned uh, fantasy lists Uh, quite often I would uh, you know choose various lone installments and I think on balance I went for episode four of Fury even though there's uh, plenty in all of the other episodes Uh, three's got the cliffhanger two's well two and three have both got the cliffhangers two's got that Mr. Oak and Mr. Quill bit but we have that now Didn't have that when I was a wee lad. Um, And we're off the back of episode three, which lasted for 20 minutes. This one, I think, is 24 minutes something or other. Uh, So uh, I am going to press select. I'm on the Blu-ray of Fury from the Deep Disk 3, the reconstruction. And I'm going to press enter on episode four in three, two, one. I'm furious, I'm from the deep. That's what I used to sing. <laughs> it's just going to my head. In my son's bath. Gosh, now, uh, 20 years ago, more than. Because we had a, a sponge that was the same shape. It was green and it was shaped like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And I called, the, because I'm pathetic I, and a child, I called the sponge Fury from the Deep. And I used to sing i'm furious i'm from the deep uh, it kept me amused whilst trying to uh, pretend that i was communicating with the b- baby um so this is lovely and yeah just chose this really haunting piece of music and explained it so beautifully uh in his assessment of episode three it's a great shot isn't it of, of robson silhouetted in the foreground and maggie walking off into the sea i remember um I wrote to the the cast of this. I wrote to Victor Madden, Roy Spencer, who plays Harris, and John Abenary who plays Van Lutyens, as a youth. We didn't know where June Murphy was. She was only discovered relatively recently, uh, married to Perkins, Brian Cullingford, who comes in into this episode. Uh, But I remember Roy Spencer saying, uh, you know, he watched in admiration as his wife, in inverted commas, walked into the sea, because I believe it was very cold. And I remember in the Hugh David interview in... Doctor Who magazine one of the summer specials one of the best issues of Doctor Who magazine ever interviewing this brilliant seeming director uh, uh, who was married did I say last time he was married to uh, Vira from the Ark in Space um, and uh, he said that uh, you know yeah he had to make her sort of get on her knees and then duck under and everything and then she was immediately whisked back to the hotel for a hot bath and probably a brandy yeah they they gave you alcohol in those days (laughs) so here is john abonary he's got a very high crown i believe i i don't know if he was a if he was a i remember my mum worked with somebody they called tone the toop it was a thing in those days a a toupee uh and he was bald later in life but uh I think a couple of people have said that he was a little bit sensitive about his high crown, which as a balding man, I'm, I, there's there's less stigma, I think, these days. I think I should... Hubert Rees, the chief engineer, is also a bit thin on top. Perhaps that's why I like this story so much. It's uh, there's key roles given to the follically challenged. Um, I think I should either go one way or the other, but I, I, I always seem to forget to pay attention to my hair. I was watching something the other day and... Uh, Jimmy Ellis was in it. It was the Billy plays on uh, BBC4. Uh, and, and Jimmy Ellis sort of combed his hair and brushed his hair. People used to do that. I haven't got a hairbrush. That's terrible, isn't it? And then I look at pictures of myself and go, oh, God, like look a mess. Uh, but I have plenty of opportunity not to. Uh, anyway, that's just a decide. Why haven't I got a hairbrush? I'm a grown man. Uh, you have to forgive me, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm full of a cold. Uh, Shirley is very poorly upstairs. But uh, I'm recording this on... The, the day before it's going out, uh, for patrons who have just got rather excitingly, this is relevant. Oh, and I do like this um, Jamie and Victoria having a moment. This is brilliant, isn't it? This is this is because they're seeding in the departure of Victoria, whose departure doesn't come out of the blue. Uh, I mean, you know, we know very well that uh, many a Doctor Who companion has gone. Hello, I've just met you. Shall we be married? Uh, or Leela's case <laughs> with Andred. Uh, I've barely looked at you for six episodes, but I'm going to hold your hand at the end of the story. You're going to look slightly surprised. Uh, and, 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 you know, probably not really my type. Whereas Victoria instead goes, will you be my mum and dad? Uh, <laughs> uh, lovely couple. Uh, and they just go, yeah, you can stay with us as long as you like, even though actually having another mouth to feed, paying bills. Where's she going to get clothes? She's got one set of clothes. She's going to need some pants immediately. But anyway, uh, I, I josh, because this is actually very nicely done. I think the idea that, you know, travelling with the Doctor would, you know, it would terror. We, ne- we never really cover that, do we? I uh, y- You know, in a, in a Doctor Who story, we see people die all the time and we get anew to it. Most of us, if we're very lucky in our lives, tend not to see people dying. And when we do, it's quite a momentous thing that... Probably stays with us. Well, it does stay with us forever, uh, 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 and you know can cause great psychological problems. In Doctor Who, it's kind of, it's just one of the things. Yeah, it's a bit like sunshine and uh, you know, cups, drink cups of tea. There will be several, several instances of each per story, and it's kind of goes with the it ter- goes with the turf. But I think, I think it's very bold to let this this story. Unfold and and show the effect that it's having on the companion who history tells us, uh, you know, leaves at the end of the story. But they really do give it quite a lot of weight, uh, and it's very nice for the actor involved. Uh, you know, that Deborah Watling, who who quite often doesn't get an awful lot to do, bar scream. Another great shot of, uh, oh, that film's out of, of of Robson. I think, and I wonder if they've reversed it for the for the. Uh, for the, for the recon but uh, looked a little bit like that film was out of phase uh, on the telesnap um, but it looks really cold on this beach it looks biting and grim uh, I mean we've all been to the British seaside uh, I I don't think uh, Fury from the Deep is going to be be part of the sort of advertising campaign to get people on Britain's beaches um, although the, the, the advantage of doing this Sort of uh, uh, and releasing the episodes before I've done the whole story is that John Deere, who's a lovely fella and expert on uh, Quatermass, he does the Birdcast uh, podcast, but he also really knows his old telly and he's uh, he's uh, uh, currently um, uh, absolutely embedded within the ghost stories for Christmas, the most famous one of which is, you know, a Whistle and I'll Come to You with Michael Horden in Stark, Black and White on a beach uh and it's it's that beach john tells me that that is the beach from fury from the deep so that is rather marvelous uh, uh and this is where see this is where gary russell in his uh review for doctor who magazine he says you know you know when van Luchens is going down to the impeller he isn't coming out again well i've always known that because the first time i'd heard of Bad Luchens. I knew he didn't make it to the end of the story. So I was quite surprised it was as far into the tale as it is. But at least it's it's been John Abernary has been given time to uh, get guest star billing in the Radio Times. Uh Mr. Oak and Mr Quill. And that's that's very discordant uh it's 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 not an organ, is it? But it's it sounds like it sounds like a sort of kazoo noise being played on the organ and, and, I don't know, it sounds a bit like pop being dragged through a mangle and turned into music. Uh, <laughs> um, but this is great, because this is, you know, the, cre- the descending down, and then with the torch, and then this, oh, uh, and yeah, this... It's not a piano, is it? But it sounds like a sort of... It sounds like a sort of ghostly... It is a piano. You need. You need... Yes, but it's a sort of echoey piano, uh, sort of slightly discordant. Discordant is very much the word for some of this music. Um, and this looks great, you know, because he's gone. It's nothing like a sort of inexorable descent down into <gasps> trouble. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's the he's the. You know Harris is Harris is too distracted with his wife, so he. You know Van Luchens is kind of the, the senior sort of guest hero type, um, but I think you've realised now that he's slightly expendable. So that that foam, I think, because of the dark lighting and everything, it does look a bit scarier than uh, than uh, than it does in the Seeds of Death. It's it's you know the lighting here is pretty good, and that's pretty horrendous. Being being dragged down and seeing the hand go down and that yeah that panning on the uh, on the torch that's all that's left of him uh, but yeah that's really effective isn't it that's a that's a great scene and I, I remember John Abenary telling me that it was quite dangerous for him because he had to find a little platform with his feet and then sort of duck under uh, but that's really nice that's a that's a good scene that's well done uh, and that's the end of Van Lutyens although he does not die because this is one of those rare stories, everybody, where nobody is killed. It's still, I think, regarded as one of the, the scariest of all of the Doctor Who s- stories, and it just goes to show you don't need you, don't need, you know, vast numbers of victims to make something scary. It's, it's the threat, it's the heartbeat, it's the suggestion, it's the menace, and I suspect... We don't know but I suspect it's the it's the direction as well I think you David seems to seems to have uh, infused the thing with atmosphere and you know an unsettling vibe although it has to be said there are um, there is there is one person I know who watched this at the time who said they found it a bit boring uh, but then again there are stories that I watched as a kid that I found a bit boring that I now think are absolutely marvelous so that's no you know don't trust the kids. <laughs> uh so, so yes I was talking before about um, yeah victoria having uh, getting a really decent slice of the action it's a very strange story this isn't it I'm not you know I think I think when I did it for running through corridors I slightly worried or I slightly felt it was a bit too similar to what had gone before but I actually think in its in its sort of story beats and and aspects like Mr Oak and Mr quill who are who are not like anything really in in this season or really in much of doctor who um i i think this is a story that's quite difficult to to quantify it's uh, it feels like it's the template of the base under siege but it has the domesticity of uh, of the harris's house and you know yeah you know mr oak and mr quill going into somebody's bedroom uh invading the the, the you know the a, a, a sort of flat that has a has a kitchen and sort of recognisable home life with a lovely couple, the Harrises who are a very normal couple, and and I think deliberately drawn as quite a sort of normal, kind, likable, nice couple. Um, and I think that that invasion of 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 the domestic is is pretty unusual. Uh, is it, in fact, the first sort of? Persons house. we've seen Sir Charles's house, but he's a minister, he, and his house is quite smart in, in the war machines, isn't it? Um, but but just to go into a sort of ordinary couple's house and then find you know two, you know one silent cadaver and one you know some sort of t- t- terrifying uh, whatever Mister Oak is, you know Billy, a B- B- kind of charming Billy Bunter type. Uh, these two, two these two silent menaces uh, but yes and this uh, and this this story is also quite personal to me as i think i've said earlier you know this was this was where I I, I I felt i suddenly felt like i i possessed doctor who sort of in my own way do you know what i mean i'd 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 claimed i'd staked a claim for this story not over anybody else but then where where I felt satisfied in my own my own sort of love for a particular for a particular manifestation of the program even though as it turned out I knew so little about it I didn't even know what some of the characters looked like but but uh, but I but I felt there was something that I'd sort of discovered and taken ownership of and uh, and, and was special to me and as I say the, the actors kept sort of leaping into my life in strange uh, different places now here's Margaret John as Megan Jones, who returns to Doctor Who in The Idiot's Lantern, which I've just done as a bonus, uh, Happy Times and Places. Uh, Now, can I say this? Uh, I, uh, I, I, I think Patrick Troughton and Margaret John got on quite well during the making of Fury from the Deep, from what I've picked up from people to whom I have spoken, and I shall leave it at that. Uh, but she's a very strong female character, uh, and I wonder why there's a why there's a Welsh vibe going on. Because Hugh David was Welsh, the director, and but he's not cast a Welsh actress, Margaret John, just out of nowhere. Because Megan Jones is obviously a very Welsh name, so I wonder why there's a there's a Welsh vibe. Uh, we often think of the Green Death as as the Welsh story, and then Delta and the Bannermen, and then of course, you know, Doctor Who uh, finds its home in Wales. But there's a bit of a there's a bit of a Welsh thread running through this, and Megan Jones is a good character, uh, who who who, and I like the history that she has with Robson. Um, that to me creates a real world, uh, and and a real. I do, I do find the the world building that Victor Pemberton has done with this, where where people's sort of friendships and relationships are he he doesn't go overboard with them, but he underlines them with a kind of a, a realism, a very verisimilitude, I know is a word I over I overuse. Or well, I went through a phase of overusing I don't think I've used it that much recently. Steven Shepansky and the Radio Free Scarab Boys used to always pick me up on Verisimilitude, so I think I think I've maybe hypnotised myself not to use it anymore. Uh, uh yeah, so there is there is something creepier about the about the the bubble bath in this than than in Seeds of Death, and I think it's the thrashing weed uh, beneath it. But yeah, the injection of Megan Jones and Perkins uh, is rather, you know, it, it brings a new dynamic in. Uh, and Perkins is played by Brian Cullingford, who was who has an association with Riggs because he was a DJ, at Radio Caroline, or one of those. He he, you know, he was there was people might not know there was pirate radio in the uk where for for some reason if you if you were if you were not actually on the mainland you could run a radio station if you've seen the film the rich curtis film the boat that rocked that touches into that i love that i think the now i think the thrashing the thrashing there of the seaweed really works so if it is if it is realized like that throughout i think it doesn't look like it's that's basically peter day's arm uh I've been to Peter Day's house. He's not terribly well at the moment, sadly. And, uh, but but uh, but uh, he, he's uh, and, I, and I've spotted him in Quatermass and the Pit uh, on on some of the film sequences because he was one of the first visual effects assistants. In fact, I've just been writing a chapter uh, for my Quatermass book coming soon, folks, about Jack Kine and Bernard Wilkie. I, I just dug out my taped interview with Jack Kine and have uh, and have uh, digitised it, which is why. I found... God, I started talking about this and then interrupted myself. Uh, What a surprise earlier in the episode. I found a tribute to Patrick Troughton from Radio 4. Four, done by Jack May, General Hermack in the Space Pirates, who was a mate of Trouton's and was a Radio Four star because he was uh, Nelson Gabriel in the Archers, who I I remember having a brilliant line once when uh, he'd done his dialogue or whatever, and then some, some two other characters were having quite an intimate conversation. So so to make his his uh, his escape, he sort of said, "I think I've become surplus to requirements," uh, and I do I do like the idea of being surplus to requirements. Um, uh, I can do a Jack May. I can't do many impressions, but I think I can do a Jack May. We are going to be too late again. Uh, but he does a tribute to Patrick Troughton, uh, and he uh, uh, and I and, I've, and I and So I digitised it because I was I, I was I wanted to digitise some of the interviews, the priceless interviews I've done with Doctor Who and Quatermass people over the years. Because of course I, I sometimes wake up in a cold sweat at night because I've got a cassette and I think, what happens if it, somebody wipes it? And I did actually lose one. I lost one that was a, a tape where, with the, the designer Clifford Hatz of Quatermass in the Pit. Uh, and I still have sleepless nights about that. I had backed it up and I still do have a backup copy. But the fact that I lost the original, just, just like, well, how come? And I know when I lost it, I was transcribing it uh, at a friend's flat when I was at university. And I think I must have left it there and then he didn't know where it was. Anyway, um, so this precious stuff. I mean, yeah, well, no, it's appos- It's appropriate, isn't it? Because I'm talking about six episodes here that we can't see any of because people accidentally... Some- somebody took Fury from the Deep to their mate's house and left it there. Uh, oh, if only it had been that sort of carelessness rather than wanted destruction. Would that make it better? I don't know. I like the way Victor Madden does this, uh, but it-, it does strike me that he's already done something quite similar because he had that because I was I remember talking about how much I like that bit where he said that they're getting at me um so so there there are and I know that the, the chief and Van Lutyens have had sort of you know back and forth two episodes in a row so uh, much as I love this I think I can understand the people who go it's a there's a bit of sort of similar back and forth and the introduction of Megan Jones and Perkins uh you know, may, may change the dynamic slightly, but it doesn't, it doesn't really affect the story particularly. She, she has the nice bond with Robson that we see later on, which I think is very, very effective, but she doesn't, she doesn't really shift the plot. Um, I mean, you know, she advocates blowing up the rigs and all of that sort of stuff, but, but from a position of authority, but I mean, you know, one of the others could, could really do that, but strong female character in the Trout era. Good thing. Um, so yes, and Perkins, her uh, factotum, who doesn't do an awful lot, does, however, uh, as <laughs> was it Richard Straw in my, uh, I think it was you, Richard, wasn't it, who uh, who who picked up on my reference to pampas grass uh, and said that uh, you know what, what 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 are Maggie Harris and Perkins getting up to because Brian Cullingford, who played Perkins, meets. June Murphy who plays Maggie Harris in Fury from the Deep and if they hadn't been cast in this Doctor Who story they wouldn't have well they wouldn't be married to this day isn't that lovely all these years later there's a married couple they're both still around uh, I've never had the pleasure actually i I'm emailed back and forth with Brian but he's quite a I, he seems quite a busy man and they're always moving house it seems um, and as I say the BBC hadn't traced June for, for years and years cause, cause, and I think she's now called uh, Laura Oh I love this here's uh, heres chief Baxter played by Richard Mays the fine classical actor Richard Mays who as I say uh, was was doing loads of great theater when, when I was learning about Fury from the Deep and the Guardian National theater reviews seem to have Richard Mays playing key roles all the time and all he does in this is sort of appear on a screen and get dragged off but I am a sucker for a scene in Doctor Who where somebody's on a screen and gets dragged off I love that bit in uh, The Macro Terror there's something about not being able to help someone there's something about watching somebody you know, imperiled on a screen and you can't do anything about it that I think that I think really speaks. It's a sort of almost dreamlike, isn't it? Where where quite often you'll be in a situation you think, oh, I can help, and then something will impede it. You know, your hands turn to jelly, or your your feet are in, in, in custard, or whatever. Um, that idea of being, you know, the the person being tangible and then being really really close, but but divided to, to you know. Enough that you can't actually interact to anything and can just look helplessly on, and that's a beautiful Doctor Who thing, you know. That's the sort of stuff you get in Doctor Who that 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 is just I just love I just you know it's it's familiar and yet it never fails to be exciting and compelling and moving and all that. This is lovely scene where where Jamie thinks Victoria's dead. The material for the companions in this story is very very good. Uh I love Fraser Hines. Uh, he's, 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 he's uh, he, and I don't miss this to sound the wrong, the wrong way. It, 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 he's, he's a real pro. He's, he's, he's always on point. He's, 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 and he's not, he's, you know, he's, he's quite instinctive. Well, but he's got the, he's got the technique as well, but he, he's just always on point, Fraser. He's, uh, he's, uh but doesn't 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 seem doesn't make it look hard do you know what I mean Uh, he's he's very casual is the wrong word but he wears it quite lightly but yeah he's always he's always bang on he's a real pro he's a proper professional and I think when and I think when they give him I think that that scene where he finds Victoria dead I think he does really really sweetly uh he's a great comedian and i'm not sort of surprised when fraser invests something with a bit of business and he's funny because that's kind of what he enjoys doing but i really like it when when you see when they give him something slightly different to do uh from from his normal shtick and i i think that's a lovely scene it's funny because i was going to choose uh john aboneri and van Luchens and all of that as my favorite bit from this episode uh but actually, i I think Fraser uh, might have just stolen it. Then, oh, because, oh, because that's that's gonna. Yeah, that. Oh, but I think I'm more likely to get the points off. Yes. So I was gonna steal. I was gonna steal the fact that John Abenerey. I, I talked a lot about him last time, and he was an actor that you you know always seemed to be in my sphere of reference, and and whose perform whose presence in this seemed to be just a beautiful coincidence, uh, and he's he's entered my life in various different. Uh, phases of it, uh, and the fact that he gets promoted to guest star credit, and that he gets this brilliant scene, this brilliant death scene, and this is this is the end of it. It's not a death scene because he doesn't die. Uh, oh, I wish we could see this cliffhanger. It's great. Again, it's because it's really a piece of it. It's, again, it's a sort of statement from the Doctor. Nobody's really under under threat, but I. But it works. It's start, the Battle of the Giants. So I was gonna choose a very personal thing. Uh, and because I, I I then met John Abner niece at university and, and and he's a he's a running sort of thread in uh, in my Moth my Doctor Who scarf show and he would pop up in things he's in, uh, and I was into Survivors for a bit and he's a, he's a regular in that uh, uh, and uh, uh, and he's you know he's the he's the butler in the famous Ferrero Rocher commercial uh, and. Uh, and he's even got a line in the Godfather Part Three. That's not to love, eh? And he turned up. He's in a Yellow Pages commercial as well, where he's an old war veteran. But he uh, in fact, uh, Nicholas Courtney, I remember, told me he was uh, he was he was up for the butler in the Yellow Pages commercial, and he saw John Abenary in the waiting room He's like he always gets the adverts I go up for. So he did. He did. Uh, he got, he was he was a good actor, John Ermanary and I was going to choose a very personal thing, all that sort of confluence of this and it's his first doctor and he goes on to be General Carrington the ambassadors of death and Railton in Death to the Daleks and Rankin in the power of Crowell. But to my surprise because I'd forgotten uh, I think that scene where Jamie goes in and because we'd had an, an earlier scene where there's Victoria and the doctor and Victoria getting you know upset about the toll that traveling through time and space and the death and the torment and the, you know, the stuff that would test the mettle of a great many of us, let alone a a young woman from Victorian England. Uh, So... um, I am choosing the, the, yeah, the well, the slow seeding of Victoria's departure, but I know that, you know, that might come into play in episode six as well because the story ends very early and we, we, we have that protracted leaving. But I think the fact that they're feeding it in and I and I think that very tender moment and the very lovely stuff we have with the regulars, which we're not always afforded in Doctor Who, even in, you know, six-parters that are quite padded, often it's, it's sort of... There's some sort of cheap jeopardy in a way is, 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 is you know, uh, 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 a bit of messing about with business. And actually, Victor Pemberton's done a very unusual thing here where he's given he's given quite lovely moments to the regulars, which, of course, you would do because they're great. Um, I don't think Victoria always gets the best slice of the pie, as it were. And I, I remember running, running through corridors, you know, finding a quite one, one note when I was watching, watching the stories all in one go. Which is mad when you think about it, because she has that scene with Troutman in Tomb of the Cybermen, uh, she's got these bits in this. All goes to show, you know, give your actors, give your actors something to do. Uh, and I think that was lovely. And I think, and I think Fraser's particularly good in that scene, where he finds Victoria. So I'm choosing the bit where Jamie finds Victoria and says, you know, please don't be dead. But but because that's also part of this, you know, slowly feeding in the 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 exit of Victoria that is to come. So sorry, John Abenary, uh, whom I have great affection. Uh, but also, uh, I'm exi- no, I've I've gone with my heart. I've gone with what I. I've surprised myself going for that but there's also a little part of my brain that goes and let's be fair Jess is probably more likely to have chosen that than to have chosen the fact that I like John Aveneri. (laughs) Um, uh, Excuse me I'm sorry I'm a bit I'm a bit full of a cold. So um, what has Jess chosen for part
1: four? Okay on to episode four where things are really starting to heat up or foam up. We get a lovely scene of Jamie believing Victoria is dead. There are several nice scenes of character-driven action, and I I really like that scene in particular. I love the horror of Chief Baxter being pulled away by weeds on the monitor. Uh, Depending on what that looked like in real life, it could be Filling you with terror or filling you with giggles, I choose terror. There's also the incredible line that Patrick Trouton gets to deliver in the cliffhanger to episode four. It's begun the battle of the giants, which I totally don't understand, and I think is the sort of line that only could be delivered as the cliffhanger of a television show. My favorite thing in episode four is the impeller shaft scenes. First, where Van Lutchens goes down... To explore and later where the doctor and Jamie go after him. Uh, it's just still, it's dark, and then all of a sudden there's this eruption of foam uh, and weed from the shaft and Van Luchens gets pulled down. Again, thank you censors, we can see this clip. Uh, yeah, he's being attacked by dish soap, but it's it's overwhelming. It's literally overwhelming, I think. Uh, it's utterly frightening and horrific, and I love that scene. Then I love the doctor and Jamie coming down, hope to find him. They don't. They, too, get almost swallowed up by the foam. Uh, I just love the surrounding. I love the, the, the sound of it. I love the claustrophobia. I almost chose this as my music choice because I also tried to transcribe the music from these scenes. Thank you, uh, Blu-ray. Some of the existing tracks uh, from the story are heard on the photo gallery section of the Blu-ray release. And yes, quite a bit, if not all, of the soundtrack to Fury from the Deep exists, and I am desperate for it to be released. Uh, But at least I can hear them there in about as clean a way as we can. But anyway, the scenes in The Impeller are my favorite. They're, They're dark, they're scary, they're sinister, and they fill me with terror every time.
0: Well, so much for going with your heart, because I, I, I would have wrapped up the uh, whole John Abenary thing in the fact that, you know, Van Lutyens goes down and that's, that, that's a terrifically spooky and sick airy scene. So I might have managed to get myself half a point, but I went with my heart. But who cares? Uh, yeah, I, well, I'm glad. Yes, those scenes are great, aren't they? Uh, not to Peter Kindred, the set designer, as well, because I think they are sort of dark and spooky and shadowy, those sets, and there's a sort of clanging metallicness about them. Yeah, great. Great. Uh, I must talk about Peter Kindred. I've been to his uh, house, and he's a uh, he's a very interesting guy. Um, designed the sets for Faulty Towers too, uh, and the Tenth Planet, uh, which I think is also very nicely designed. Um, I've been very lucky with Fury from the Deep. I've encountered a lot of people from it. Anyway, listen, uh, I uh, I I can you know I think Jess just chose a very good thing there. The scenes in the impeller shaft, which I think are really really scary. Oh, I'm sure the chief Baxter scene was terrifying. I mean, I I, I think somebody being dragged off by a, look quite a sizable clump of seaweed there. I think uh, with National Theatre actor Richard Mays being being the draggy. Uh, but uh, I'm st- I'm still quite pleased that I didn't go down my my uh, particular peccadillo. Uh, the root of my particular peccadillo, and, in, and instead... Because uh, uh, I often overlook the regulars, I think, because I take them for granted, because, you know, we have more of them, if you like. Oh, and I didn't finish by saying that that, uh, that Jack May tribute to Patrick Droughton that I've uh, uh, put on my Patreon. Uh, or, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're not on my Patreon, I did it six months ago. Uh, I, pu- I put it out, and Russell Parker, who's one of uh, The lovely Patreon community who also knows what's going on archivally at the BBC and all of that uh, thinks that it might not exist. So on a C90 upstairs, something I just used to to, uh, test this new piece of equipment uh, I've got, Uh, I might have uncovered a Doctor Who related piece of something that the BBC, I'm not saying I'm the only person in Britain that has it, but the BBC doesn't have it. Uh, apparently we don't know stay tuned I'm going to find out tomorrow uh, so or s- s- five months and 30 days ago uh, patrons will find out quicker uh, but that, that wasn't that wasn't a, a ham fisted way of saying become a patron I just I, I tie that in because I would started talking about it and then got distracted going I can do Jack May um, uh, Milo Clancy uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I <laughs> Don't do it because you think you can do it and then you actually do it and you go, I think that might have sounded awful. I've got a blocked up nose and a sore throat. Anyway, the reason I mention it is because, of course, Fury from the Deep. As I watch this and those just those couple of impellicines come alive, and you think, how much are we missing? How much do we have to imagine? And again, this is such an unusual story, it seems to me. Uh, and... Uh, it's, even, it's it's now unusual in a way that it wasn't when I was younger where we had such vast swathes of Doctor Who missing. You know, so many of its uh, companions in oblivion, Tomb of the Cybermen, the Nun, the Ice Warriors, Nun, the Enemy of the World, three, uh, the Web of Fear, one, Vulnerable Snowman I jumped over, two, uh, Wheel in Space, six. That was season five when I was a boy, Nun, Episode 2 None Episode 3 Episode 1 None Episode 6 And now It's all Episode 2 Episodes 1 2 3 No what's up? Oh, Episodes 1 4 5 And 6 That was a none I think I might have missed that out last time That was a none Wheel in space is now All Web of fear is 1 2 4 5 6 Fury from the Deep is still none. And Wiener Space is three and six. So they've all had bits come back. Uh, except for, well, Abominable Snowman is still only two. But actually, I remember there was a Doctor Who magazine, isn't there where where that was a none, but that was before my time. Episode two was back by the time I was cognizant of missing episodes. But even that was, uh, was, was empty at one point. But now the only the only nun in the whole of season five is this one, Fury from the Deep. Uh, so I just hope that um, you know somebody somewhere doesn't realise that they have got the only copy of something which we would very much like to experience again. Uh, and uh, I don't know, it just felt quite nice. Where now it may be wrong this this Trouton tribute. It may be that uh, the BBC have it, and uh, but but anyway, just even just entertaining the idea. That I might have, you know, found something that other people, you know, would otherwise not have been able to hear. It's, it's a lovely feeling. It's a lovely feeling. I feel finally, after forty-eight years, I finally may, might have made a worthwhile contribution to Doctor Who. But if not, um, I'll continue doing this instead. Uh, but I hope there's somebody out there that uh, that can plug some of the gaps of Fury from the Deep because. Uh, I don't know, I I just think it's a story that could, well, they're all stories that could benefit from being seen, but I would love to see, what what does he call it? Uh, Dish foam. That's a lovely phrase of Jesse's. I'd like to see the malevolent dish foam uh, and some of these lovely actors. But the atmosphere, that's what I want to see. And a man getting dragged away from the television screen by some homicidal seaweed. Oh, Doctor Who! Only Doctor Who could do that. But yes, it is a weird. It it, it is. Nobody has ever said it's begun the battle of the giants, uh, uh, unless it was with the full knowledge that the title sequence was about to roll. His very this is that's. I would like Victor Pemberton to have written some more because his 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 idea of a cliffhanger just seems to be, I'm gonna get somebody to do something now because it's the cliffhanger, rather than rather than because. Uh, of of any sort of story reason or jeopardy but I kind of like that but yeah it is very much a you wouldn't say that in any situation would you Uh, there's some some seaweed at the glass Uh, uh, hang on I will will make a statement about this that is one of import uh, and and great weight Um, are you doing that for any reason I've got a feeling I've got a feeling we're reaching the end of an episode uh, which is what we're doing now so, um, uh, it's, it's, it's ended the podcast of doom. Well, thank you very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Hado. My special guest is Jess Jerkovic. Find his Dudley Simpson is Doctor Who channel on YouTube. He's Jester j-e-s-s-t-e-r the number two jazz just a two jazz Uh, but yeah, Dudley Simpson is Doctor Who it's a wonderful part of YouTube with loads and loads of lovely videos with loads and loads of lovely music I'm grateful to Jess and to the patrons who make this podcast possible and they include Andy Larson Tom Hunter-Watts Christopher Meredith Luke Cannington. Joan Abbott, Paul Carrington, Neil Allen, Andrew Fordham, The Missing Episodes Doctor Who podcast, Simon Barker, Grant Davidson, David Hughes, Mark Swan, Rick Moran, Andrew Sneddon, Paul Murphy, Paul Goodridge, Christopher Sharp, Christopher Joyce, and Jonathan Molyneux. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Uh, so, if you would like to join... I don't know what that noise was. That noise was of somebody that's got... Slightly tickly throat, slightly bunged up nose uh, and uh, slightly throbbing head. But um, but we need to get the furiousness out from under the deep and onto uh, my Patreon page because I need to keep the patrons fed and uh, they can be found, found at the trough at uh, patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke where every week they get three servings of swill in the trough uh, and uh, it's uh, servings of stuff some of which is exclusive to patrons some of which uh, is six months earlier and some of which uh, is not quite as uh, early as that but still uh, the the Indefinable Magic and the Too Much Information podcasts are still um, a month or six weeks ahead of everybody else and there's also Too Much Information which is a patron-only podcast podcast and monthly AMAs which are patron exclusives and you get your name read out on the credits like those people then just did that's at patreon.com forward slash tobyadoke three pounds per month is the lowest tier you get most of the stuff on that but there are uh, also higher tiers that get a few other bits and bobs and uh, you get 10% off if you sign up for a year in advance. You can also go to Kofi.com forward slash toby tobyheadoke. If you don't want the monthly commitment, I'm afraid you don't get any of the lovely advantages, uh, but it's a way of, uh, you know, it's like if you if you saw me busking in the London Underground, can you imagine somebody there uh, doing the Mick Hucknall hits and getting uh, a few quid thrown into the hat and me just standing there pontificating about the savages? People go, oh, yeah, I'll give him, I'll give him the shrapnel from my pocket. Um uh, but that's uh, that's what Kofi does, but it means you're not tied into a monthly commitment, and I totally understand that uh, in these times of financial hardship. But what costs you nothing is to go to iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, all of those places where you can leave comments and where you can give star ratings and five stars would be very very nice indeed and a few nice comments too to give people something to read and some idea of what this is all about and it might uh, lure them this way and that makes these uh, midnight endeavors well, it's actually one thirty-six a.m endeavors uh worthwhile it means i'm not shouting at the moon and uh yeah it's just it, it, it does help to get traffic uh this way So if you could do that, it costs you nothing but a little bit of your time. But it's time well spent and for which I would be eternally grateful. You can come to my comedy night in Manchester, Excess Malarkey, at Excess Malarkey on Twitter. Uh, And it's every Tuesday at 8pm. And uh, there's fantastic comedians from all over the country and sometimes all over the world. There's a Twitch channel as well. Uh, We haven't been doing much on that, but there is an archive of stuff up there that we did during the pandemic. Twitch.tv. Is it? At XS Malarkey. Twitch.tv forward slash XS Malarkey. Oh, dear. I don't know. I've said it on all of the other podcasts. If you don't know it by now, um, and if this is your first... Uh, happy times and places that you listen to. Why are you jumping on on episode four of Fury from the Deep? I've just remembered this was an episode on some of the missing episodes uh, uh, rumours that were around when I was a kid. Fury from the Deep 4 in colour was uh, was one rumour. I remember there was the odd rumour that the occasional trout episode had been shot in colour. I suppose that's possibly something to do with the fact that some cine footage exists from Fury. Uh, so that that might have, you know... Uh, that might have melded into oh you know the episode exists in colour because of course we do have some footage of uh, that lovely shooting in Ealing uh, of the foam spurting out of the pipes oh well I'll be talking about that in future episodes but um, I don't know quite how we started on excess Malaki and, and ended up on the silly footage from the Ealing filming of Fury from the Deep but you pay your money you get your segues that's that's my that's what I do. <laughs> I I think this post-credits thing has probably gone on long enough. Uh, I I can barely talk. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I do like Fury from the Deep. I do like John Abaniri. I do have a signed photograph of him. Uh, Actually, that's funny because his spotlight photo that he sent me, because I almost remember thinking it's an odd one to have because it's got a sort of... It it, it looks like there's a big shadow in the corner and a big blob and you'd think that's an odd one to choose. But it is a big blob that covers his, his... is bald, bit, I think he—I think he really was sensitive about his balls. Isn't that odd? How I don't think that's the stigma that it once was. I mean, I, you know, Peter Miles is another one. I love it on the Doctor and the Silurians DVD, where the clip of Peter Miles, of him being a Doctor in the Silurians, he's got less hair than he has on on the bit of him from the modern day when he's doing his interview because obviously he's wearing a bit of a toop. Uh But isn't that how, how how men would have to be, you know? self-conscious about being bald and now i mean god a lot of people you know just shave their heads and get rid of it all i've not uh, i've not been bold enough to do that uh, quite yet i think if i had a, a a thinner face i might i don't think it quite suit my my slightly i need to lose a bit of weight but that's and anyway should we not get into my shortcomings basically it's just you got to the end of the credits for me to go i'm bald and i'm fat uh and it's midnight and i've got a cold but hey, let's accentuate the positive about an old episode of Doctor Who We Can't See. Well, I suppose
1: it's, it's one way to try and keep smiling in it. <laughs>